Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I need to have a brief confession right off the top of the show here today just for a moment. I've been battling a little bit of a sore throat here this week, and it's been fine. I don't get sick, so this is not that big of an issue, but it's starting to kind of creep up in my voice just a little bit here. Um, and I know, Connor, you're doing a thousand things, but if you want to uh, show my beautiful face here on the screen for a second, you can do that. <laughs> It's uh, good to have all of you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. As I said before, a little bit of a sore throat thing going on, so hopefully that's not too much of a voice annoyance for all of you here today. I think we are going to have a really good time on the show. It's Terrence Edwards stopping by in just a couple of minutes' time. I'm looking forward to doing that with him and a lot of news to cover. In fact, I think it's been kind of interesting to watch college football here over the course of the last 24, 48 hours or so, and all of the very modern storylines that have kind of unfolded and in a weird way while georgia is not you know necessarily at the forefront of this conversation this is about the sport at large there's clearly a lot of impact for georgia on a lot of this kind of stuff let me begin with this there were meetings around washington dc around the halls of congress involving college sports wish that congress step in and help it out in terms of cleaning up a mess that's involving the name image likeness rules and law i guess the the word law is better than rule on this for right now there are various state laws about to take effect including one right here in the state of georgia it sounds like the powers that be within college athletics though are hoping for kind of a national blanket uh, law to supersede whatever might be happening state to state and the honest truth is y'all i can only follow this stuff so closely i'm only partially interested in all the you know, you know the weird twists and turns of all this but this does matter to georgia i think there's a lot of curiosity among fans about what the new landscape of college football is going to look like and i think to a degree a lot of that it's fair to say is still to be determined i did think it was really interesting though that in, on the heels of what happened in washington dc yesterday with you know folks kind of speaking out you, you know to congress and, and and uh you know hoping for some some you know federal intervention in all of this the sec also releases a statement there as well fairly long statement i'm not going to read the entire thing but i do want to read a portion of that of what the sec had to say uh, yesterday in regards to its own concerns about the name image likeness stuff that's about to go down when it comes to uh, college athletics Uh, this is the a portion of the sec statement among the complex issues that must be addressed is the role that, quote, advisors will have in guiding student-athletes in the process for verifying and regulating these advisors. We must also develop a system to effectively monitor endorsement agreements to ensure compliance with policies and rules that will be established. And it'll be important to create mechanisms that will, to the extent possible, deter boosters from directly or indirectly paying student-athletes as a means to influence the recruiting process. That last part is going to get a lot of attention because this is like the big fear that a lot of folks have, and it's very commonly mentioned that when name image likeness stuff pops up there's a pushback amongst a lot of fans who say i don't want this to turn into a thing where you know you're essentially just you know 
players putting their services out to the highest bidder and having that take place very publicly and you know so and so the car dealership kind of gives you kind of a no-show job type thing to to get you to come to his favorite school the school that he's a booster for uh, a lot of folks around college i'm talking about fans of college football have said that's what they don't want to happen it's very interesting right there to hear the sec kind of say much the same way we don't want this to be the end result of all that we want to be very careful in that regard it kind of also kind of circles back to some of the stuff that nick saban said before too you know typically the very best programs in the sec nick saban obviously is the as, as a top one of those and the sec is the premier conference in all college football no one can dispute that the sec typically is looking for every advantage it can exploit to make itself continue to be on the very top of college football but isn't it interesting here whether it's this statement from the sec or you know coaches within the sec like nick saban who's spoken out about this recently there doesn't seem to be a huge push huge desire to hey let's use name image likeness rules and laws and opportunities to our advantage to continue making sure we're the best you know conference in college football that the sec teams are the best within their own league you know there doesn't seem to be a huge push on that that there is a little bit more of a desire from the sec to be a part of an even national landscape on this stuff you can decide for yourself what you think that means i just think it's interesting here's the other thing and i'm gonna do this very very quick because i don't want to get too lost in the weeds on this the other portion of that uh, statement I just read a moment ago, the notion of, hey, let's manage the role of advisors here. This is something that I do think is really, really important. And I don't think it's probably gotten enough attention because the 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 degree to which this matters kind of exists within the minutia of all this. If you're advising somebody how to make money off their name, image and likeness, there has a lot, you know, there's a lot that has to be called into consideration on this, including making sure that by making money off your own name, image and likeness, you don't accidentally break the law. In other words, you know, this stuff is going to probably come to you via like a 1099, something like that which means you get the money and then have to pay taxes after the fact on that and if you don't pay taxes on that name image likeness revenue that you bring in the irs is not going to just sort of shrug that off and say well that's okay you're only a kid uh everybody has to learn that's not how the law works when it comes to tax procedure like that and some college athletes may find that out pretty quickly the same thing for like signing autographs and things like that and all of a sudden you got money to sign autographs but maybe it's a little easier to have uh one of those robo pin things sign the autograph for you somebody finds out about that yeah now you're guilty of fraud all of a sudden you've broken the law while you're trying to make money just gotta be really really careful about who's advising whom when it comes to this name image and likeness stuff that the advice they're giving is actually not just advice that keeps them eligible in college athletics but also keeps them from running afoul of the other laws that exist around our great country so i I do think that's at least you know a fairly important thing to keep in mind when it comes to stuff like this and as many of you are aware this fairly relevant for uga right now because in the aftermath of what's been going on in washington dc this week what the sec says right there you've also got some georgia athletes who are poised to kind of cash in on some of this kind of stuff once july 1st gets here and assuming that uh there's not some sort of federal intervention that steps in before then to kind of reorganize stuff like this our friends over at onward reserve have got a i guess the the tenants of a deal in place with a couple of Georgia players, uh, you know, Lessing, the, the, the kicker, uh, Brock Vandegrift, the uh, incoming freshman quarterback. You got Matthew Bowling involved in this. You got a golfer, a baseball player on reserve. Our good friends, y'all know I, I like on reserve. I wear the apparel uh, from time to time here on this show. Uh, all of a sudden, they're looking to kind of get involved here with UGA athletes. So, so this is actually a fairly relevant story for Georgia about exactly how this name, image, likeness stuff is going to come together in these final days. Some Georgia athletes seemingly already 
employees to make some money off that. That is a story worth following. Then the other kind of story that's been out there, you know, in addition to the name, image, likeness stuff, obviously more stuff related to the transfer portal. And yesterday was interesting to see at DogNation.com the update to the Georgia roster and some of these guys who who have just transferred into UGA now showing up on the roster. New Jersey numbers for some of these players. Uh, uh, Rick Gilbert going to wear number 14, for instance, there at the University of Georgia. And kind of all that's out there. And it just feels like we're in these very modern times with, you know, players showing up on the roster, New Jersey numbers and, you know, Georgia you know, at, at times having to fight to keep players from from maybe you know exiting the program to the transfer portal, but certainly bringing some big names within the transfer portal. There's been some good stuff there at DogNation.com about that. And then on top of all of that, maybe the most interesting stuff of all the accelerated conversation that seems to be going on involving a 12-team playoff and the fact that sooner rather than later, we could be heading for massive playoff expansion. And on the show, we've said that, listen, I don't know that there's any team in the country that would benefit from that potential playoff expansion more than Georgia would, whether it's a 16 or an 18 or a 10 team or a 12 team, whatever you do to make the playoff bigger, a team like Georgia that has been on just the outside looking in so many of these years, not just 2018 when it took Alabama to the wire in the SEC championship before eventually losing, but even a year like last year where, you know, for a while Georgia didn't look really playoff caliber during the season, but by the end of the year it kind of gotten hot. And, you know, Kirk Herbstreit mentioned them by name along with Oklahoma on the playoff tv show a year ago expanded playoff a hot georgia team goes into that playoff uh maybe even a year ago uh, if, if the world had looked then like it may look eventually in the future so this is clearly a relevant story for georgia i think georgia fans should probably be in favor of playoff expansion because of that but beyond just the i guess the the self-interests of UGA and its fans here right now, I still think there probably deserves to be a little skepticism about, hey, let's just make sure as we potentially greatly alter a sport that we all love, college football and the regular season of this sport, which still I think matters more than any other regular season in any other sport that we care about here in the United States of America. Let's just really make sure that this big radical change truly is a change for the better. I believe that it probably is, even though I'm more in favor of an 18 playoff than a 12 team playoff. For the most part, I'm kind of OK with the idea of the of the playoff expanding. But it is fair to note there are some important voices around the sport that don't necessarily feel the same way. I thought it was very interesting. Booger McFarlane, the the SEC ESPN college football analyst, former uh, former analyst on Monday Night Football as well who was on the show Get Up this week. That's the morning show that appears there on ESPN with uh, Mike Greenberg. He was on there. And listen, McFarlane's a voice that I care about. I, I like his opinions, typically speaking. And boy, he was quite skeptical and really kind of alarmed at the idea that college football could move in such a radical direction with its expanded playoff. This is at least a voice worth hearing and considering. This is Booger McFarlane. For everyone who says we need to go from four to eight to 12, I, I would just ask one question. Why? Is it about money? Is it about greed? Is it about the kids? Is, is, is it about your satisfaction? Because we all talk about, hey, playing for a national championship should be tough. We want to take it out of the computer's hands, take it away from the BCS. Well, we did that. We have a college football playoff where 12 to 13 members sit in the room and you have the humans who vote on it and they decide which four teams should be in the playoff. It should be hard. Why are we continually trying to make the college football playoff easier? It's not for the kids' satisfaction. It's not for the school's satisfaction. It's for the satisfaction of everyone else, including myself, who covered the sport. I like McFarland. I think his opinion matters. I don't 
personally agree with much of what he's saying there. I think it's a little bit of a straw man argument to suggest that players themselves wouldn't want an expanded playoff. I think obviously there are a lot more players that probably look at their current situation and say, you know what, I don't feel like I have much of a chance to win on this team. And that may be one of the things from time to time that actually pushes them into the transfer portal. They may be, you know, looking at saying, I'd be happy to stay here at the current school where I am if I thought I had more of a legit chance to make the college football playoff and obviously an expanded playoff gives that more of a chance to be true I think that's at least worth considering here's the other thing there as well I don't think the playoff as it's currently constituted does very much to prove who the best team in college football truly is because frankly two playoff games sometimes isn't quite enough to know that especially if it's a team like and I'm not going to pick on Clemson but I will mention Clemson here who plays in a weak conference that oftentimes leads to a soft regular season schedule so if you can tiptoe through an easy schedule along your way to just two playoff games are we really sure on the basis of just two wins over the course of a 15 game season that you're really proving yourself as the best team in the country an expanded playoff I think would give all of us peace of mind that whoever emerges from that is truly the best team and not just a team that may have gotten hot over the course of just a two-game period I think that's at least uh, pretty fair on that however I do think, though, that at least some skepticism about such a big change to the sport is at least worth paying attention to, especially when it's obvious that most of this is being done to benefit leagues other than the SEC, the Pac-12, which has only made the playoff twice and hasn't done so since 2016, the Group of Five, which really has no chance of making the playoff right now, even though by the letter of the law and the letter of the rule book, they technically appear to have a chance. That's not how it plays out in actuality. Most of this is being done to benefit leagues like that. So I do think the SEC SEC should move slowly in terms of determining how much they want to cooperate with this. But even with that said, I guess overall, I still think a bigger playoff will be better for the sport, even though altering something that we all love is potentially a dangerous procedure to go through. So to kind of wrap all this up, bottom line is there is a lot out there in the news right now, and all of this feels very modern, very new. Transfer portal stuff still impacting Georgia. New roster reflects that. Name, image, likeness stuff. Some UG athletes poised to make money off that. The rest of the country kind of waiting to see if there's some sort of federal intervention to slow some of this down. And of course, a much bigger playoff much sooner rather than later all of that on the doorstep right now georgia fans watching it all very closely as it unfolds my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by merriweather and tharp great to have you with us no matter how you get to us today video facebook youtube twitter twitch on the radio again looking forward to being back on our friends at 960 the raft when we return from vacation so we're finishing up live shows today and tomorrow recorded shows next week some of the best pre-recorded shows i believe we've done i'm really excited about what we're going to do for you next week here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp and then back on the radio again after that uh the following week so really excited about that of course podcast however you get to us today appreciate you being here apple google spotify soundcloud posting the show at the world famous dognation.com lots of ways for to get in touch we certainly appreciate you being a part of all of that big thanks to meriwether and tharp your source for georgia divorce for making it all possible let's face it college football is a fun conversation time of the georgia bulldogs is a fun conversation sometimes divorce is not as fun a conversation but here's the thing we know sometimes real life creeps into the stuff that we do for fun and many of you as you listen to a show like this for distraction from your regular life and the things that are going on you know in the back of your mind that divorce either is obviously a reality that you're about to deal with or you foresee it as a potential reality in the future listen I, i'm so sorry that that's true for you i wish it wasn't but the one thing i can provide for you is an advocate to be by your side and 
and make this process easier. Certainly set you up to be made whole again when it's all said and done. Better relationship with your children, better situation with your finances. All of that matters. Meriwether and Tharp can help you through all of that. So please reach out to them. Do the initial consultations. Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online at the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That is Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce online, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. All right. Terrence Edwards coming up in just a moment. Also, in just a moment, I want to address some of the leftover rumblings and grumblings from the five-star decommitments from Georgia here this week. Before that, though, I do want to take a moment here, and I want to send some condolences to our friend, the former Georgia coach Jim Donnan. Many of you know, some of you have reached out on Twitter to let me know about this, and I appreciate you doing that, that his wife has passed away. I've learned that she was battling cancer, and she has passed away, fought courageously, it sounds like, for a long time. And uh, now Coach Donnan is dealing with that loss. Incredibly sad to hear that. Obviously, a lot of you know Coach Donnan because he does some media work with our friends over at Rivals. Some of the longtime listeners here to our program will remember that Coach Donnan was also a regular weekly guest on uh, Dog Nation Daily for, for a number of years. I got to know him pretty well because of that. I can tell you that Coach Donnan's affection for UGA fans is truly, truly genuine. He he loves dog fans. He loves living in Athens. Much has been made of the former Georgia coaches who still live in Athens. Uh, Coach Donnan, obviously, very prominent in all of that. So I just want to speak out on behalf of all Georgia fans here and say to Coach Donnan that I'm so sorry for your loss. We are very thankful to have you as a part of our UGA football community. Uh, I think your voice matters. I think I think you know he's a he's a good advocate for Georgia football. And so just wanted to take a moment here to uh, send some well wishes to him. Certainly these words you know will do little to to, to comfort, obviously because of the gigantic loss that he's dealing with. But uh, Coach Donnan is a, a good friend to a lot of folks in the Athens area and a guy that uh, still has great great love for the Georgia Bulldogs and so on behalf of everyone who's watching listening today to coach Don I just want to say to you I'm so sorry for your loss but dog nation will be praying for you and we'll look forward to certainly uh, enjoying many happy days with you in the uh, years to come so kind of an awkward transition from that I do want to go around the doghouse here for a moment before we talk to Terrence Edwards because there was some very very interesting stuff said on SEC Country Live yesterday, Billy Lucci, who covers Tex A&M for TexAgs.com, very big website that knows the situation there with the Aggies. Obviously, they view the decommitment from Bear Alexander and the the decommitment from Dion Bowie far different than Georgia fans do. This has been tr- being treated there as a very exciting thing in College Station, as you might imagine. Now, we don't yet know that Alexander's truly going to A&M. He's taking a visit to Texas here this week as well. And obviously, the thing with Bowie is still very much up in the air, but there's no doubt a lot of folks patting Jimbo Fisher on the back right now for his ability to hire away Nick Williams as a former Georgia staffer, GA situation there at UGA, now an analyst there at Texas A&M. And that move to the folks there in College Station looks like a pretty big coup at the moment. Here is Billy Lucci on Nick Williams. My sources felt really confident that that was going to happen leading up to those visits and then also... I think a lot of Georgia fans were kind of expecting it once they made the Nick Williams hire, brought him on as an analyst, earning a reputation as an elite recruiter, and that's been exactly uh, the first impression here in College Station. You ask anyone in that building, and they'll tell you that there's just something different about him as a recruiter, which, again, same thing the Georgia fans were saying uh, when they lost him. And it's my understanding that you know Kirby did everything he could to keep him in Athens, obviously a former Bulldog and a former Bulldog player, 
and wasn't able to do that. And I think you're starting to see the early returns. And there's more of a Georgia connection. Obviously, you've got Marshall Malco as yep. the director of recruiting. you got James Coley over here, and there's also a second GA that was working with Mike Elko, uh, or either working with him or played for him at Wake Forest, that they had also left from Athens. So there's actually a quartet of guys. You've got a lot of guys that are very familiar in there, so I think this is a natural tie-in is for, for the Aggies to go into and recruit Georgia. So that is uh, Billy Lucci from yesterday on SEC Country Live talking about the ability for A&M now to have some recruiting inroads in Georgia because of the former Georgia staffers they've hired. But when it comes to the Bear Alexander thing, on the A&M side, it was surprising to Lucci and others that Georgia even got that commitment in the first place. Once again, more interesting stuff here from Billy Lucci related to the recruiting news around Georgia here this week. They were recruiting Big Bear anyway, and were pretty shocked. And when Georgia landed his commitment, there's been a couple of recent battles. You know, Kirby tried to go in there and pull Zach Calzada at the very end. Mm -hmm. They're battling right now for an elite receiver that will be visiting here next weekend in Kojo. Um, But Big Bear, you know, they they, A&M flipped Akinola Agunbe a couple years ago late. Even with Georgia doing what they do and recruiting on that elite level, it's very hard for them to come in and go toe-to-toe with A&M right now for a Texas kid. So there was a good chance that Big Bear was going to was going to be a flip candidate at some point anyway. So let me take Billy Lucci at his word when he says that for a moment, that Bear Alexander being from Texas, the advantage was going to exist for the Aggies on that no matter what. Lucci also suggested it was Nick Williams was kind of helped you know, get the commitment from Alexander in the first place. But if the only tie that Alexander has to Georgia is a sort of grad assistant, you know, kind of helping out there along the defensive line, that's not a very substantive bond to hold Alexander to Georgia. So when it's all said and done, I mean, even if Bowie decommits from Georgia right now, Deion Bowie, the five-star athlete from Bainbridge, I think most Georgia fans would say that Georgia's chances of regaining a commitment from Bowie are still pretty high. The Alexander thing, if you listen to Billy Lucci right there, that ship may have sailed and he may stay kind of within the borders of Texas here moving forward with the Aggies as the big favorite on that. But can't you make a case that would have been true no matter what anyway, based on if we take Lucci's word right there, that keeping Bear Alexander was going to be hard, Dion Bowie still likely a Georgia lean, even if he's decommitted right now. Well, that's true if Nick Williams works for Georgia. That's true if Nick Williams works for Texas A&M. So as much that has been made this week about Williams changing sides, going from the dogs to the Aggies, that may have led to these decommitments we've seen this week. But ultimately, when it's time to sign letters of intent, the actual result of all this may be the same as it would have been no matter which school Nick uh, Williams was working for. So at least one perspective on that good stuff yesterday when it comes to SEC Country Live. Really quick before we say hello to Terrence Edwards, let me remind you about my friends at the Finish Long Drink here. I love it. It's not a beer. It's like a ready-to-drink mixed cocktail that comes right there in a can. That means you pop the top, you drink it, and it's just ready to go. There's no mixing. There's no hard work that has to be done. Nothing along those lines. It's a great combination of liquor and the sort of citrusy type mixes that go along with that. I know some of you like the cranberry the long drink cranberry you've told me about that there's also the long drink strong which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume there's the long drink zero which is really cool the original i love because it has that kind of like grapefruit flavor to go along with that nice liquor kick it's just a really fun thing coming from finland popular there since the 1950s been in america the last couple of years now in the state of georgia so if you check out the longdrink.com, that's the website the longdrink.com, you can actually find out where you can pick it up close to you a lot of you've let me know that you really really enjoy this and i love your feedback on that i appreciate 
appreciate you supporting those that support us. Check out the Finish Long Drink here today. All right, before we're done, some very, very funny stuff uh, around the SEC. An odd video involving Dan Mullen. You're not going to believe what is hanging in the walls of the apparent LSU football facility. I'll tell you more about that before we're done with the program today. But for now, on everything going on around UGA, let's get ready to talk to our buddy, the former Georgia wide receiver, Terrence Edwards. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Well, so little Terrence Edwards here. Great former Georgia wide receiver. Uh, terrific analyst when it comes to talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, Terrence, I certainly appreciate your time here today. And obviously one of the big topics that's been out there is what happened with UGA recruiting this week. Losing a commitment from the five-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander. Losing a commitment from the five-star athlete from Bainbridge uh, Dion Bowie. The fact that a former Georgia staffer, Nick Williams, now working at Texas A&M seems to be the center at the center of all of this what do you make of the of the news that has unfolded Williams role in all of this and kind of what you expect to happen next when it comes to to like these big five-star names and how Georgia may look to either regain the commitments replace them in the class or whatever might occur from this point forward you know first and foremost B I want to say uh my thoughts and prayers is with my former coach coach Donnie and his you know, lovely little wife. Um, may God rest her soul. Um, so that's first and foremost. But secondly, man, these these are these are teenagers. These are teenagers that we're talking about. And I know fans get all up in uh, up in arms about sixteen, seventeen year old teenagers making making decisions for themselves. And the Texas kid, you know, that's I'm not as much worried about him. I think we could. Uh, always find a detackle closer to home, but just that proximity for him right now, that's not surprising. But the one that's is really surprised is the DB from Bainbridge. Uh, he's a Georgia kid. I know Nick Williams is a, a Georgia kid from the same hometown, same as Kirby. So that one is a little surprising to me because, uh, you know, Kirby and his hometown, and I know Nick is from there as well. Uh, but college football is all about relationships. And if those kids have a, a deeper relationship with, with Nick and the other coaches, then this this is not surprising. How much do you think also the presence of visits, something that we haven't had in college football for a long time prior to June 1st, and the fact that a guy like Bowie can be swayed while on campus at Texas A&M, and who knows where else he may visit where the same kind of thing goes on, and some of these guys want to have that experience as an uncommitted prospect so that maybe they get the, the best possible treatment from the school where they're visiting. How much of you, how much of the excitement of being able to take a visit do you think might have influenced Bowie's decision here? Uh, most definitely. These kids like the, the glitz and glamour. I don't think these kids had opportunity to really get out and visit other schools in the last past you know, 13, 14 months and they made a commitment off uh, whatever their reasons are um, and were. They made a commitment to the University of Georgia. Now you get to go on these college campuses and see what other schools have to offer and Maybe he just wants to step back. Those two kids want to step back a little bit and reevaluate their options. And who knows, they still may uh, sign with Georgia. But, you know, when these kids commit, one thing about me, I don't get all happy about it because I know it's, it's, it's a non-binding commitment. Right. Uh, I get excited about these kids once, that, once their name is, is signed on their letter of intent. 
You know, I think that's probably uh, a good way to look at all of this. And you mentioned Coach Don, and we talked about uh, his loss before you joined us there as well. And, of course, Terrence, a lot of ways we think about you as a Mark Richt player because you had great success on the SEC championship team uh, from 2002, but you were brought to Georgia by Jim Donnan. And certainly Coach Donnan was also a big factor in your brother's life there as well, even though I guess he was brought to Georgia by Ray Goff, but uh, obviously was, you know, you know, coached by Coach Donnan. You were as well, and eventually uh, a part of the first Mark Rick teams there too. You know, for a guy like Coach Donnan, you know, it's been a while since he's been UGA coach, but this is a guy who still loves being a part of the UGA community, lives right there in Athens. A lot of folks in Athens consider him a friend. I, I, know, I, I I've talked to, you know, Coach Donnan enough to know how much he loves UGA. And it is one of those things that when somebody in our community, a part of this Georgia football family, when they feel a loss, there is a sense in which we all feel it with them a bit. And certainly that's the case for you because you know him better than most do because he was one of the guys that was instrumental in bringing you to the University of Georgia, right? Most definitely. I mean, he's the guy that sat in my living room and told me what type of player, the way he's going to use me. And uh, I have this, you know, big love for Coach Donnan and his family. You know, Todd, his son was on staff. And I just you just, I just grew up with his family as one of the, uh, say, third or fourth recruiting classes that he had and uh, with my brother. So I've been around Coach Donnan my whole life. And once I go back, and he, it's just a pleasure – but he still just loves the Edwards family. We love him back. And uh, I'm just, you know, saddened for the whole family. And, you know, uh, I saw Todd Dunning about a year ago. And, man, it was just like old times. So I'm, I'm saddened for their loss. And um, I'm praying for them. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. I'm glad that you did. Uh, Terrence, thank you very much. On a different note, you know, it's been kind of interesting. You and I have talked about this before, the the notion of playoff expansion and the fact that it seems like it's going to happen. And all of a sudden now we're talking about big time playoff expansion. We're talking about 12 teams. That seems like that's the the idea that has the most steam behind it based on some of the reporting at Sports Illustrated and other outlets here this week. Uh, and it seems like this could be happening sooner rather than later. We heard from Booger McFarland on the show a little earlier from some statements on ESPN this week about his belief that it would not be good for college football to make the playoff that big. If I remember correctly, we spoke before, and I don't want to get your opinion wrong here, I think that you do like the idea of playoff expansion, but in particular a 12-team playoff, do you think that would be good for the sport? At the end of the day, I think uh, the NCAA is all about making money. So any kind of way that they can see to to make money, that's what they're going to do. I didn't like four, but I don't know about 12. Um, So I'm somewhere in between four and 12. But I think you do definitely need to put more teams in than four. I think there are a lot of quality teams that that need the opportunity to to fight for a championship that that don't get the opportunity but deserves it. So uh, in between somewhere before – in between four and 12, but definitely I think 12 is maybe a little too many and four is not enough. So when you say, and I think that's actually a pretty good way to look at this because if I had my way, it'd be an 18 playoff. That's what I would prefer. But when you say 12 is too many, is that more along the lines of you worry about the number of games the players would be playing or you worry about the fact that the regular season, which right now in college football seems to have a lot of value around it, that might be watered down some, or it maybe is a combination of the two. When you say 12 is too many, what is the specific reason why you think that might be too much? I don't think there's 12, there would be 12 teams deserving to buy for a national championship. I don't think maybe eight, six to eight, somewhere in that range would be six or uh, eight legitimate contenders that, that could win. But I don't think the 12th team could beat the, the one team. 
Okay, that's I think that's a, a very interesting way to look at that. I'm glad to have you laid out the way that you did. And the time we have left, I'm going to be on vacation next week. And a lot of what we're going to do uh, while I'm gone is kind of some season preview type stuff, looking at the various Georgia position groups. Really no better person to look at the wide receiver position with than you. And I guess let, let me just kind of ask you kind of a big picture question here. Obviously, we know George Pickens right now is hurt. Don't know if or when he's going to return to play. All of a sudden now, we know uh, Rick Gilbert's a part of this. Uh, he now is listed as a wide receiver on the new Georgia roster that's just been updated. And so you've got some comings and goings. It certainly seems like Marcus Rosemey Jackson is getting back a little closer to health here to say nothing of guys we want to see more of, like Justin Robinson and you know some of the other names you can kind of you know mention here. I guess just sort of big picture for now, what is your outlook for Georgia's wide receivers as we head towards the start? of summer practices and the season which really be starting and be here before you know it what's your outlook for the georgia wide receivers right now i think this is probably the most counted and deepest receiving core in georgia history not necessarily the best uh but i think they're very talented with with uh even with george but i think this is a deep deep room i think anyone on this roster can go out each week and have a big game. I was talking to Jermaine Burton yesterday. He was telling me about there's about to go and watch uh, Arian run, and I was just like, that dude can run. So yeah. everyone brings something different to the table that that Georgia can exploit their talent on the field. I think Jermaine is probably going to be uh, your leading receiver. I think uh, Arian is a guy that, you know, we need a big play, stretch the field. He has to be on the field. Uh, Marcus, uh, I think he's probably the best all-around all receiver for us to route running hand strength. Uh, Justin is a big guy. Now we got Eric and the full like They have a very deep group that Coach Monken and staff can really explore all of their talents, and all of their talents are very different. And that's going to lead to a an explosive offense, in my opinion. I agree with so much of what you said there, and I do think it's interesting. In the case of Arian Smith, you know, I don't know that his speed would cause him to be the leading receiver right now for Georgia. I, I agree with you. I think Jermaine Burton may be the the first in line to get that crack to do that here this year. But isn't it probably true because? Uh, Smith has that level of speed that very few George receivers can match right now that his ability to kind of blow the top off a of defense almost makes everybody better who's working underneath him or alongside him and as you said the the kind of the different profile of the skill sets working around that if you've got that big speedster which you know Smith is who can you know kind of occupy you know you know defensive backs have to worry about covering him deep then all of a sudden the job for everybody else it almost seems like gets a little easier because of that right? It, it, it makes a difference when you have a guy with that legitimate speed. It does. Uh, um, now, as a defensive coordinator or a defensive back, you, you have a scouting report. You understand what type of talent these these guys are. So you know when number eleven comes into the game, either you're going to have to have some help, or you got a one on one with a guy that's legitimate ten one in a hundred. And now he's just not a track guy. When I first saw him a few years ago, I was wondering is he just a track guy? playing football or he's just a yeah. football player that is just extremely fast. And I think he's a football player that is extremely, extremely fast. Uh, like the Auburn kid, Anthony Swartz, I watched him coming out of American Heritage and I was wondering, what is he? Is he a track guy? And he turned into a, a pretty good football player who just got drafted in the third round with that legitimate speed. So we have to utilize these guys' strengths and then just help help their weaknesses along the way. But I'm always a proponent of let's 
ask what these guys can do and not what they can't do. If we try to always worry about what they can't do, we're never going to get the best out of it. I think that's really good stuff, Terrence. I really appreciate your insight on that today. So much fun. And obviously right now is a busy summer for you. You're hands-on working with that next generation of pass catchers. You know, tight ends, wide receivers, high school, moving on to the next level. Some guys trying to work their way towards high school football. You've got all ages that you're working with right now. And for folks who want to be a part of that, they've heard me talk about the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. They know you're doing good work, but maybe they haven't taken that step to reach out and find out what you might be able to do for them. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to talking to you again uh, very soon. And I, as I said, I just really appreciate your time. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I think Terrence says something there that's really true and just, just gut level real and honest. And I have to admit, I probably thought the same thing a little bit. That when you hear about Arian Smith, and you know he's highly rated as a recruit, but when you hear about him, you're left to wonder. Is this a fast guy you're going to try to make into a football player, or is this a football player who runs fast? And I will have to say, based on what I saw last year in the in the brief moments we got to see Arians a year ago, that this is a, in my mind anyway, much more likely to be a football player who runs fast more than the, so than a fast guy you're trying to make into a football player. And I think the comparison of Anthony Schwartz there is really interesting. And here's where, once again, you just have to be honest: is that. You know, Anthony Schwartz, who was like, I mean, that's as fast as anybody the SEC has had in a while. I mean, he's a blazing, blazing speedster. George had some guys who are who are close, but but Schwartz may be the fastest among them. I don't know how he compares to Arian Smith, but I just know he's just been really, really fast, even by SEC standards. But let's face it, the Auburn offense, whether it was Chad Morris at the, at the helm as offensive coordinator or whatever else, they weren't very good at using Anthony Schwartz. It's one of the things that, like, you go into a game against Auburn, and you're sort of left to, you know, going into the game, you're like, boy, you got to be careful. Watch where Anthony Schwartz is. That speed will get you. You got to watch where he is. But then throughout the course of the game, Auburn just doesn't use it very effectively. And so for Georgia, there's a responsibility here. First of all, you do need your speedster to also have some football skills catching the ball. It seems like, you know, Arian Smith is, I think, as Terrence said, a little bit of a true receiver. This is not just a, uh, a track guy you're trying to mold into a football player. This is a real football player. But there is still an obligation for a smart offensive coordinator to use that skill set. It's not enough just to be kind of a fast decoy or one of those guys that opposing defenses are always worried about, but the uh, but the offense itself can't find a way to, to execute with him. You've got to have a responsibility to use that speed. And sometimes it's not just what he does for you. It's what the other guys do working around him. And I think that's an important part of this team here this year. But it is an interesting comparison between Schwartz and Smith. Schwartz, a blazing speech of the NFL, as Terrence said, likes his potential. But Auburn was guilty at times of probably not using him as effectively as they could. And that's not the story that you want to be true for Georgia when it comes to Arian Smith right here. A quick shout out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And we got a very funny uh, SEC through to do here. ESOG, of course, foundation waterproofing issues. They know how to handle all that for you. They're also proud partners of UGA, which it's always nice to do business with those that support uh, the University of Georgia. And we're always really thankful that you help us out because Dog Nation Daily and, and Engineered Solutions of Georgia have been longtime friends. They've been with us for years on this show, and so many of you have used them, trusted them to help you with your own foundation waterproofing issues. I'm very thankful for that, and I'm also confident that they did good work for you. They will do good work for you. So if you see those wet spots kind of show up in your crawl space, your 
your garage, something along those lines. If you see, you know, cracks in your foundation, you know already that can be a sign of a more serious problem. So go ahead and get the peace of mind you need. Get the situation taken care of. Very easy number to call. Simply 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, there is a video that has been going around the internet over the course of the last day or so. And for those of you listening on the uh, podcast version of our show today, I apologize that you can't see this, but I'll, I'll put a link or something because you do need to see this. Very funny video of Dan Mullen here as shared by uh, Florida's official social media accounts. And it's not so much that Mullen's doing anything all that weird necessarily. It's just awkward, right? It's like one of these you know fancy newfangled spinny camera type things. Mullen's giving you a point, which, listen, there's no better sign that, that I don't know what to do with my hands, more so than I'm just sort of pointing at the screen. That's a fairly obvious sign of that. He's doing the gator chomp. He's kind of like the, the camera's kind of going around him. It's just really, really awkward. Like this particular video gives off to me a lot of, hey, man, I'm not a I'm not a regular dad. I'm a cool dad. Like, I don't think there's any video that could kind of give you like the I'm trying to be a cool dad vibe more so than that. There's just something about Dan Mullen from the waist down that I don't know. That is not presidential. That's all I can tell you. That is not a presidential look right there. Uh, maybe it's like the, the line from The Sopranos, the Don doesn't wear shorts. <laughs> I just, something about this is just not quite adding up for me. Uh, as I said, maybe it's just the whole, like, uh, trying to be a cool dad here, but whatever it is, it's just not quite working for Dan Mullen on that. Believe it or not, though, that is not the funniest thing that I've seen on social media over the course of the last... 24 hours or so. I want to show you this from a reporter that covers LSU recruiting for Rivals.com. So a recruit takes a visit to LSU. Let me show you the tweet from the reporter first. Julia Baldwin's her name. Harold Perkins is the recruit. He goes to LSU. She says he gets the red carpet treatment, including visiting the football facility. There's a lot of folks there to greet him with applause. I'm sure that was a nice welcome. However, it's one of the photos that this recruit shared on Instagram that Julie Bowen was good enough to also share on her Twitter account that, boy, you're talking about getting my attention. Let me once again show this to you on the screen. For those of you uh, are listening podcast, I apologize for you not being able to see this, but to my eyes, and maybe I can get confirmation on this, this appears to be the LSU football facility. And as big as the world, above the entranceway to one of the halls there at the LSU football facility, Am I correct in saying that's a framed shoe in the uh, that's a framed shoe on the wall there of the LSU football facility? And I can't confirm this, but boy, that sure does feel like that might be Marco Wilson's framed shoe Uh, or not Wilson's shoe, but the shoe that Wilson threw. Now, listen, on this show, we've gone to great lengths to honor the throne shoe of Marco Wilson. We give away the golden shoe on our program each and every day. But LSU, if this is what it appears to be, and I, I can't confirm that, but I'm I'm glad to make my best, best most educated guess, uh, guess here. If they have framed the shoe, uh, and for those of you listening podcast, it's not the it's not the shoe that's been framed. It's like this giant blown up photo of the shoe that's been framed here. So uh, that certainly looks pretty funny to me. Well, as I said before, maybe that's not the uh, Marco Wilson thrown shoe, but it would certainly make for a better story if it is. So we're going to assume that it is uh, pretty good stuff all the way around there. We will make that your SEC through. 
And by the way, speaking of the thrown shoe from Marco Wilson, the shoe throw heard round the world in the SEC. It still lives on every single day here as part of our Gator Hater Roll Call as we give out our golden shoe. This one, a very funny one today. Uh, I'll show this to you. Our buddy Robert Hoseus in this on Twitter. So you see the Marco Wilson thrown shoe, and then through the magic of technology ends up hitting Dan Mullen in the face there. Uh, Very funny stuff by Robert Hosea. Good stuff all the way around there. Uh, Quite entertaining. Very, very good golden shoe here for today. By the way, we will not have golden shoes for our pre-recorded shows next week. That's the one sort of thing we're not able to kind of recreate there because you guys send these to me each and every day. And um, so that'll be a thing we'll look forward to rejoining as a part of the show again next week. But we'll have a funny one again tomorrow. You guys have had some great ones here this week. In fact, I'm even a little bit behind on sharing some of them. It's just been really good stuff. One thing I'm not behind on, though, right on time with the Gator Hater Countdown, 142 days from right now. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for being here. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down, brought to you by our friends at R.S. Andrews. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric, you can trust them for that. Obviously, this time of year, you're thinking a lot about your air conditioning unit. And if you're worried that your tired system won't make its way through the summer that's still on its way, then get some peace of mind by getting your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs with our friends at R.S. Andrews. You can find them online at rsandrews.com. All right, a couple of comments, a lot of this related to what has been going on with UGA recruiting as of late. Uh, Buster on Twitter says that when things are good, the wary Larry Munson voice in my head surfaces. And when facing adversity, blind homerism pipes up, he says. So when it comes to Bear Alexander and uh, Dion Bowie, the decommitments from this week, he says maybe, just maybe, Kirby's messing with A&M like he did with Mullen a few years ago, only to crush them at the end. And I certainly understand where you're coming from on that. And obviously I do remember a series of recruiting wins for Georgia you know, from a couple of cycles ago that did appear to be just flat out trolling of Florida, whether it be Carson Beck or Warren Brinson or, you know, whatever else you kind of want to mention from that time frame. We all kind of remember that. I kind of understand and I appreciate the perspective that you're sharing with all of that on this. I sort of suspect that's not quite what this is. As we said during the regular show today, you know, the Bayer Alexander thing, the fact that George was as far down the road with Bayer as they were was actually probably somewhat amazing. Uh, Billy Lucci said that yesterday on SEC Country Live. We share that audio for you during this show here today. And I think we've said that ourselves many times, that it had Alexander come to Georgia, and if he were to still come to Georgia, I guess the responsibility that he does, uh, I sort of wouldn't put anything past Kirby Smart when it comes to recruiting, but had that happened, or if it were to happen, that's as big and impressive a recruiting win as Georgia's ever had. Not because Alexander's the greatest player of all time, although he's a very good prospect, certainly for this class. It's just simply the combination of high-level prospect in tough-to-recruit area. There's an obvious home court advantage for A&M here. I think it stands to reason that they would eventually get that anyway. Now, in the case of Bowie, you know, look, you know, maybe this is just as simple as, hey, guy from my hometown wants me to go to the school that he's currently working at. Maybe that you know, eventually could sway, you know, Dion Bowie. But listen, you can't even really count if you're a recruit. And this is where we, where we have great respect for the tough decision these recruits face when it comes to these kinds of commitments and letters of intent and ultimately making your college choice. It's hard to even assume your position coach, the on-field coach that you're signing up to be part of the program with. It's, it's hard to even assume that guy is going to remain at the same spot for three or four years for the entirety of your college career. It is certainly, I would say, virtually impossibility that that Bowie, no matter how much he may love Williams, his hometown guy now working at Texas A&M, 
no matter how much affection he may have for him, there is no way in honesty and truth that Nick Williams can look Deion Bowie in the eye and say, hey, we're from the same hometown and we're going to remain together in College Station, Texas for a number of years. Nick Williams is not a current coach at Texas He's an analyst, and that's just not a lot of money. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm, you know, it's, sounds like you got a nice paycheck to go out there to College Station, but it's not the same level of financial security that being an on-field coach provides you. So anybody that offers, especially at the SEC level, anyone who offers Nick Williams an on-field coaching job, Williams is almost certainly bouncing for that right away. And there's no way he could look Deion Bowie in the eye and tell him otherwise. So ultimately, do I think that Nick Williams will sway Deion Bowie to College Station and be a part of the Texas a 2022 class? I actually don't think that because – I don't think that Nick Williams can make any kind of assurances about how long he's going to be at Texas A&M. Now, you know, is it one of those things where I, I couldn't name all 10 assistants that work for Texas A&M, all of the assistants that work for Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator. Maybe somebody's on the way out there. Maybe he's got a promise to be an on-field coach. And I guess if that were the case, it changed the situation a little bit. But based on what I know now, I, I just don't think that Nick Williams could ever make the promise to Bowie that he's in there for the long haul, and George will obviously mention that in its own recruitment of Deion Bowie, and eventually the same way that Texas A&M has the home court advantage for Bear Alexander and will maybe use that to its advantage to win that recruitment, I would assume the same thing will happen with Deion Bowie there as well. Uh, UGA66 on the pages of dognation.com, the comment section below where I post the show each and every day, writes to say that UGA has big trouble with Jimbo Fisher and his former UGA staffers. This is not a good omen for the dogs, he says. What are they telling, promising these kids? Kirby Smart's going to have to do some research. Cannot have all five-star commits leaving for A&M. Come on, UGA, dig in. And, you know, this to me does feel fairly similar to conversation we've had before. I made the comparison yesterday's show to what happened with Tennessee last spring. Now, I feel like that the A&M stuff is a little more substantial than what may have gone on with, with Tennessee a year ago, where it was very easy to predict that this would not even you know, result in even a top 10 class for the Vols when it was all said and done. I think it was fairly easy to predict that. A&M's got more going for it right now than the Vols did a year ago. But the one thing that remains just as true year over year, it's way easier to generate recruiting headlines in June than it is in February or December. Just way, way easier to do that. A&M's been a good class. What's top seven, top eight, fairly frequently in the Jimbo Fisher era, one of the better recruiting teams in the SEC. There's no question about that. But they don't recruit yet at the level of Georgia, and I don't think that the story of this week suggests that's the case. This is one of those things where if Georgia gets Alexander, it's all credit, but if Georgia doesn't get Bear Alexander, I really don't think there's much blame to go around. I don't think it's in any way obvious that recruiting Bear Alexander has cost Georgia its relationship with any other defensive lineman, and Alexander's unique enough in terms of the fact that he kind of fills that Jordan Davis role that whatever time you spent going after him, even if it ends up being unrequited, was probably worth it. So I get the idea that this feels like a frustrating week. And when you have back-to-back five-star decommitments, it obviously is going to be. But I think that this news cycle will actually be a lot easier to forget a week from now, a month from now, certainly a, you know a football season from now. I think this is actually a little bit easier to forget and move on from than maybe some are giving it credit for right now. But I certainly appreciate the comments and appreciate you being a part of our R.S. Andrews cooldown. Of course, online, rsandrews.com. They'll get your air conditioning tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Story after story, they've been delivering smiles, and they can deliver a smile for you there as well. So find them online at rsandrews.com. You'll have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Another 
recorded live day of show for us tomorrow, and then it's pre-recorded the following week. But I really do feel like our vacation show is going to be pretty fun. We're even having a podcast cool down during those shows there as well. So very little will be different than what it normally is. It's going to be a good time. So we'll see you tomorrow and then again uh, every day after that for next week on the vacation week's worth of shows. And, of course, back to complete and full normal the week after that and every other week on the way through it will be a very fun and busy season for UGA. So see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then.